Hello listeners, Sean here. Uh, Before we get to the discussion, I wanted to give a quick heads up that we had a few hiccups throughout this recording. I edited it the best I could, but there are still just a very few moments where the audio may slow down and or maybe get a bit choppy. Uh, However, I promise that it doesn't impede or interfere with the enjoyment of the conversation as we discuss these two cinematic classics. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll be once again playing the song It's On by Matthew Reese. Seeing as how one of the films ends with this song, as well as the fact that the song was performed by the film's lead, star, and producer, I felt it was fitting to play it at the end. So, with that out of the way, on to the conversation. Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair and his ice-cold demeanor and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to I Must Break, this podcast the fan podcast looking at the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Today, we're going back to 2015 and 2017 and discussing two films, both involving Dolph infiltrating the prison system, 2015's Riot and 2017's Larceny. I'm your host, Sean, and joining me once again today is my buddy and show regular Chris Prentice. Chris, thanks for coming back, man. Oh, Thank you for having me, Sean. I, I appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm excited to to delve into these uh, these two classics. Well, it was you know it's interesting because after our last uh, discussion when we discussed the uh, the Giorgio Serafini trifecta, as I keep saying, you golly, you keep you know we've been talking back and forth, and you were like, Sean, please, when can I come back for another combo episode? Please, please. And finally, I eventually just had to succumb to it, and I said, okay, fine, Chris. Here you go. Here are the two films. Oh, you really served up a couple, a couple stellar picks for me. I, 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 I know you know you, you you thought maybe you'd have me on for skin trade, but no, that just that just wasn't wasn't what you had in the cards for me. So I'm I'm really excited to be talking about a, well, you know, one film that I think is is decent in riot and then one that's really not that decent in uh, larceny. Well, and actually I should probably let the listeners know you actually came up with this idea. Um, and uh, so I, I want to give you full credit for it, but uh, you know, back when, you know, I, I want to say this is a couple years ago actually, but you and I came up with the idea where you said, you know, you may have to do some combo episodes because it doesn't really make sense to do a full-on, I mean, I guess some could look at it and say, oh no, a film like Larceny deserves a full-on singular podcast episode. But um, I I don't really uh, uh, subscribe to that opinion. And so, yeah, films like this, okay, that we're going to be discussing today, 
it kind of, you know, like I said, you, you came up with that idea. You broached that idea with me. And I think it's a wonderful, um, a wonderful execution plan where, yeah, we get to discuss two films um, that came in the wake of the expendables, as I like to say. And I mean, and I, I keep saying this on the show and I'll, I'll reiterate it again. I'll, I'll try to make it very brief this time, but yeah, in the wake of the expendables, um, I'd say even after 2012, okay. Dolph, I mean, man, he just kept putting out film after film after film. And a lot of these films, kind of like the ones that we're looking at today, were, I mean, you could say that they're paycheck jobs, but in the end, I think Dolph is being treated, as are many actors in the direct-to-video genre, but I think it's very clear with these particular films that Dolph is being treated as more or less a commodity. Uh, and, and by that, I mean he is a... Um, he is a commodity. He is a product, if you will, that uh, these producers can essentially buy and, you know, have him on screen for maybe 10, 12 minutes. Larceny, he gets a little bit more time. But, yeah, he's a commodity that uh, producers can put on screen and sell the film as a Dolph Lundgren vehicle when, in reality, he's really not on screen that much. And what we have as far as a final product at the end of the day is – really really shabby and really really cheap no there's there's no doubt about it i mean that's that's kind of become par for the course with the the majority of the movies that he makes and the majority of the movies that a lot of these guys make i mean stallone has done it obviously bruce willis has done it a ton of times you know where it's it's you put up a recognizable name on the the video box art or now the the streaming uh, summary art and you get people interested because of that name, and then you you watch it, and you kind of realize, wait a minute, this isn't quite a, a Dolph Lundgren movie. And though it's odd that I think, at least with the two that we're talking about, it's it's the one where where he's not in it quite as much to me is clearly better than the one that he's he is the star of. So that's kind of an odd situation. But you know that that's happened plenty of times uh with with these action guys in recent years it's uh you can call it bait and switch but it's just kind of the reality of the market right now is you know these guys are are older they're not going to be doing as much heavy lifting on a lot of these movies so they're going to take the paycheck to be on set for a few days do a few scenes where they're not really straining themselves too much and uh and that's that's all she wrote yeah, and you know what's really interesting about this is, I mean, you know, I was going back as we were kind of prepping for this, and especially after our last conversation when we looked at uh, um, the triple threat of films: uh, Blood of Redemption, Ambushed, and Puncture Wounds. You know, it's interesting. You look at some of these films and you think, "Is this the low point in Dolph's career?" Okay, are are these the absolute worst films in Dolph's career? And you know, I, I will, as I was thinking about that question. Um, I will. I don't know where you stand on this, but I still, in my opinion, I still would say that the films that Mr. Lundgren did from the late '90s, early 2000s. So we're looking at uh, the Last Warrior. Uh, we're looking at um, Agent Red, obviously. Okay, those films. Um, Jill the Ripper. I know that you know there are some oh, yeah. things going with Jill the Ripper, but I really didn't see uh, much of note. And I still, in my humble opinion, would still put those as the low point. And I'll tell you why. Because I think with those particular films, there was still there was still money being put toward the toward, toward the production. Okay, those films were made at a time when direct to video action films. You still had a few diamonds in the rough. You still had some 
some good films. Yeah, you had some junk here or there, but you still had some good products. These films, I, I don't know if it's, I mean, we're, we're of course going to be um, ragging on these particular pictures. I'll just say that right now. But I don't know if it's entirely fair to say that these are a low point when in reality, this is just the state of the market. Okay, Dolph is a working actor. He's a working guy. Okay, and he's essentially working with with what he has been given. And of course, of course, yes, we'd we'd love to have a skin trade. We'd love to have a Creed 2 or an Aquaman. I'm sure he would as well. But in the end, those opportunities are so few and far between. And so what we're looking at here is pretty much not just in Dolph's career, but the state of the market. I don't know if you would agree with any of those things that I said, but do you see what I'm saying? Would you consider these lower than than that that late '90s, early 2000s period? Oh, oh in my opinion, yeah. The, these films are much lower. At least when he was making stuff like The Last Warrior and Jill the Ripper and Agent Red. I mean, they were terrible, but there was no real. There wasn't really a lie in them. You know, he was the star. They were his movies. They were and bad. they looked like movies. Sorry to interrupt That's you, but true. they and looked they, like movies. No, no, you're right, and they they looked like movies. I mean, what the bulk of the ones that he's done, you know, in the last ten years, with a couple of exceptions, like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're, it's just they're not even. They barely seem like movies. They're, I mean, you watch something like Larceny, and, and you're just kind of like, well, what the hell is this? I mean, the, the first thing is that the first thing you have to ask yourself is, okay, well, here's here's this new action movie with, with Dolph Lundgren. Is there any action in it? Like, that's kind of what you have to ask now, which is uh, pretty pathetic that that's the first thing with any of these movies is, is there actually any action in any of these movies? Because by and large, in a lot of them, there really isn't that much. And No, you know, and then they can't afford get, it. No, I know. I mean, they're they're making these things in fifteen days, and I mean, it's you're not going to get anything that's that's interesting. I mean, that's why it's kind of it's kind of a miracle that that a uh, Castle Falls turned out somewhat okay and was at least you know an entertaining movie because that's another one that was a seriously fast shoot uh, under some kind of odd circumstances. But I mean, I'll give him credit. I mean, he actually made a movie that you can watch from start to finish and, and be entertained by. But a lot of the ones that he has signed on for in the last 10 years, it's clear that, you know, they're just paychecks and I don't begrudge him that. I mean, there's only so many actors that can really put together the projects that they, they want to do 100% and that they have power over. And there's just not that many of those guys that can do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's Tom Cruise, it's Tom Hanks, it's Denzel and, and not that many more. So when you get down to the pecking order of uh, where Dolph is, I mean, sometimes he's just got a, Hey, they've got, they've got a, a go picture. They, they want me on set for a week. They've got the, 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 uh, the rate that I'm charging, I'm going to go do it. Well, and I think the other thing that needs to be, that needs to be uh, considered and looked at here is I think, look, I'm not, I'm not going to speculate on where uh, uh, Mr. Lundgren is in terms of uh, finances. That, that's not my place. But I think with a guy like him, I think he, he still has, uh, he still has fire in him. He's still 
enjoys the craft of acting. He still enjoys playing new characters. And if you look at a uh, if you look at a, a celebrity like Mr. Jean Claude Van Damme, I mean, I've been saying it on the show for a long time. You and I have discussed this, but I, I look at uh, as Jean Claude is essentially being semi retired. Okay, because and I think a lot of that is because number one, throughout the '90s, I think he was um, pretty wise with his money. I, I think some would argue differently due to his drug abuse problems that he had. But I mean, I think he is financially at a pretty good place where maybe he doesn't need to work. And I feel like a guy like Jean-Claude also looks at these type of productions and kind of views them as being a little bit beneath him. Okay. Um, You know, and we discussed this when we were looking at, I think it was the defender, but if you look at, um, you know, these projects nowadays that are being put together for barely a million, maybe 2 million, of course, an actor who was once at one time starring in films that were being made for between 30 to 55 million, yeah, they're not going to want to show up for, for something like that. And I think that's one of the big reasons why we don't see as much of uh, Jean-Claude anymore. I think he also kind of lost his fire a, a long time ago. Um, I also feel like Kurt Russell is another actor. I mean, I, I feel like if Kurt Russell really wanted to, I think these are the type of productions that we'd be seeing him in. And, and I think he's a, he's a gentleman who he's kind of like, look, I, I don't need to sink to those levels. I'm, I'm okay being remembered for, um, for, for the big hits, if you will. And I, I'm okay stepping away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, definitely I agree with you when it comes to Kurt Russell, though, I think he did do a, uh, one of these kind of movies, you know, a few years ago, I think it was like called Crypto. Oh, Crypto, like yes. That. Yeah, it was something like yeah. that. Um, so, so it's not like he's 100% above it. But, but yeah, in general, he's kind of been in semi-retirement. It's like, you know, if somebody comes to him with a, with a good project, something that's worth him getting off of the golf course, then he'll do it. Um, but he's, he's definitely not scrambling, trying to fill up his schedule all the time with a new movie. Um, so, you know, and, and like you said, it's like the same thing with Van Damme. It's a semi-retirement. If, if some kind of project comes together, that's, that's worth their time and is going to pay them what they think that they're due, they're going to do it. But, for the most part, they're they're not really like uh, like where Dolph is at, or you know Frank Grillo, or you know guys like that who kind of, I mean Grillo's kind of the extreme, but you know guys who are just just basically going after as many different films as they can, no matter what the the quality is. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Well, if we look at this particular pairing, okay, this is uh, the the second of our of our combo episodes, we, we can say. Um, I, I decided on these two particular films because I feel like they're very similar in, in, in certain respects, okay? Uh, this pairing, I felt, makes the most sense because, um, as we stated earlier, both of these are two very, very, very low, low-budget productions. But they were both filmed within a two-year period, and they both have Dolph playing a character who must enter a prison. Okay, in Larceny, he is entering a prison to, uh, to, I guess we can say, see a goal at the end, uh, so that he can achieve a goal. And then in Riot, he is also going undercover in a prison to also achieve a goal, we will say. That's about where the similarities end there, though. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, the end of the comparisons. I mean, you know, Riot is one that's basically being you know, sold as a Dolph movie, but isn't quite the case. 
And then you have Larceny, which is sold as a Dolph movie, and it is, but it's terrible. So it's kind of it's kind of pick your poison. Um, I I think really Riot is is a much better movie than Larceny, despite the fact that you're getting way more of Dolph and Larceny. And and I'm sure as we talk about them both, we'll, we'll I'll kind of get into the reasons why I think that way. Well, you know, excellent segue. I'll, I'll let you pick. Okay, I'll let you pick which one you'd rather discuss first. Do you wanna do you wanna end on a slightly more positive note and end with Riot, or would you like to um, save our uh, our ribbing for the end and go with Larceny? I'll uh, I'll let you pick. You have control of the show here at this moment. Oh my goodness, this is way too much responsibility than I'm used to. It's a real Sophie's let's, choice, I know. Oh my god, let's let's you know let's take our punishment first and let's go ahead and let's start on Larceny. Okay. All right. So we're going to look at Larceny. Um, I'm actually going to read two synopses for Larceny. Okay. One is, uh, is the one that I wrote. And then the other is the one that is on IMDb. Okay. So, uh, all right. So if we look at Larceny in Larceny, Dolph plays Jack, a thief who's hired by the CIA to break into a Mexican prison and steal the secret stash of cash belonging to a cartel drug lord. You care to make a comment about the border wall proposal? The wall between the U.S. and Mexico will go a long way in keeping the criminal element and the drugs out of our country. What is the DEA doing down here? Because I do not see us winning this war on drugs. As a matter of fact, we have a couple things in motion. Your big plan was to rip off one of the Capitan's men. Seemed like a good place to start. stealing from the most notorious drug lord on the planet. You said no one dies here. I never claimed to be a good guy. If you take my money, there is no mercy. No way out. You're dead. Here is the synopsis, actually, for Grins. I thought this would be funny. Here is the synopsis that is on IMDb, Chris. Uh, A team of thieves break into Mm. a maximum-secured Mexican prison with a plan to rob the most notorious drug lord, full of action, gun smoking, fighting, and corrupt politicians. <laughs> oh yes, corrupt politicians. What? Well, who doesn't enjoy watching watching their you know low budget action movies full of uh, of corrupt politicians and 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 little digs at, at at you know different different sides of the aisle? We'll say. 
This one, this I, I will say right now, I don't know if you felt this way, but I would say out of all of the films in Dolph's extensive CV, this film could be probably the strangest anomaly, I think, in, in so many ways. And I think a lot of that is, is due to the rollout, okay? The, the, the final product that we were given, this has never really even had an official release. I think we can say this is, there's a lot of things about this film that almost feel like a lost film in some ways. There's so, a lot of aspects about this that even feel like a completed movie. And, you know, and what's so sad about that is this is one of my first points I was going to get to. I don't know if you felt this way or not, but I feel like th- this is a cool premise. I'm, I'm just going to say that right now. I think on, on its surface, okay, had this film had a proper budget, okay, maybe more shooting days, maybe more resources at its disposal, I think this is a cool premise that, that really has legs. You know, the idea of a thief who, um, who breaks into a, a Mexican prison to kind of to, to steal the cash that uh, belongs to a drug lord. So he's also, not only is he mixing it up with the inmates, but he's also kind of planning this, this very uh, high-tech heist, if you will. I think that is a really cool premise, but, oh, boy, did what we get is uh, nothing, nothing exciting at all, is it? No, no. I mean, like, you know, the premise that you explained... That sounds all good. You know, I, I like action movies set in prisons. There's, I can think of, of several that I've enjoyed. But, I mean, there's just absolutely nothing of note going on in this movie. It's just so low rent. There's no choreography at all with any of the quote-unquote action. So many of the supporting actors are just really bad in this. And, you know, it's it's just... it's. It's an inert movie. I mean, it just does not... So, so many scenes just sit there, and there's just nothing. There's no energy at all to anything going on. I mean, it's it's really one of, one of Dolph's worst. Uh, and, and I can see why it didn't get, you know, a, a formal, you know, release... Uh, in the states, because you know who who who's going to watch this and say, "Oh yeah, we got to we got to start pressing the DVDs for this right away." Yeah, I mean it's 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 just wild to think. I mean, even Lionsgate, okay, even Lionsgate turned this one down, which is really saying something because Lionsgate will pick up just about anything to uh, to turn some kind of a quick profit on it. But even they didn't do this one, and so it's really weird. You watch this film, especially in the opening title sequence, and there's no distribution on this one at all. I think in some markets and some territories around the world, um, it did get an official physical release, but at least here, okay, in the United States, not available on DVD um, for a good while. It wasn't even available to stream anywhere. I think Netflix had it for a very brief period, but then from yeah. there, yeah, they, they don't have it anymore. And what's crazy about it, you can seek it out. So anyone who, who is listening to this and wants to watch it. It is available on Tubi and Freebie. Those are two uh, free streaming apps, we can say. But um, you cannot rent this anywhere. You cannot um, buy it digitally to stream. I mean, it's one of those films that's just kind of, it almost feels like it was just kind of given to Freebie and Tubi to kind of give them content. But other than that, you really can't find this film anywhere. Yeah, I, I'm sure that this was a movie that was part of some kind of package deal. You know, somebody who has the rights to this, you know, it basically got some kind of a payment from Freebie for 
larceny and for you know several other uh low budget movies probably by this uh this same director um i would imagine um because i i did notice that the uh I noticed that uh, some of his other movies are also up on freebie. So I, I, I have a feeling that Larceny was offered as some kind of package deal to, to these free streaming sites who, you know, they're just looking for as much content as possible. So that's kind of where we're at now with these, these streaming wars. Everybody's just trying to build as much of a library as they can. And, you know, if, if it ends up including a movie of, of this quality, then, hey, so be it. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin with this one, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it, like I said already, I mean, it feels in so many ways like a lost film. It almost feels like a, uh, like an ash can copy of a movie that wasn't meant to be released, you know? Remember the, uh, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie that we were not supposed to see, but that is available for a while before YouTube. It was available at uh, comic book conventions and bootlegs or whatever. That is exactly what this feels like. And the entire thing, I don't know if you felt this way or not, this feels so very incomplete. I mean, the sound mixing is way off in a number of scenes. Um, the fight choreography is very, very shoddy, almost feels like B-roll footage. There are scenes of dialogue that just go on and on and on with long pauses in an attempt to kind of fill the 90 minute running time, which as is the film is, isn't even barely able to do. And the other thing that I picked up on and, I, I don't know if this is something else that you noticed, but the opening title sequence of this is very, very telling because what you get, I mean, it's, it's stylistically, I guess it looks kind of cool. You get these infrared shots of what we can assume to be Mexico. We have some generic rap score that's playing, but what's wild about this is how over the title sequence, it's just the actors being listed. There is no director of photography. There is no producing team, none of that, which kind of leads me to believe that, this film really didn't have many working behind the scenes. It's just, it's, it's, this just seems like no effort went into this production at all. Everything was done on the cheap. You know, the actors that were found, I mean, I are, are, would, are even half the people in this movie, are they actually actors by trade? No. Or are they just people <laughs> that, that just showed up and it, that was, that was the end of it. And that was the audition process. If, you know, do, do you have a pulse? Okay. Here's a, here's a, a, a security guard outfit and have at it. It, it. It's just so, so badly done. And even just the story, I mean, the story is, you know, you would think it's it's just a pretty basic story. Guys are trying to rip off a drug dealer. Okay, we've seen that hundreds of times. Doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but, you know, just make it somewhat exciting. And there's just absolutely no excitement at all throughout any of this movie. I can't think of one moment in this movie where you're like, oh, my God, that was kind of cool. There's nothing, nothing at all. Well, you know, what's interesting is, I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier uh, about these films being such low budgets, you know, uh, my friend Brenton, who's been on quite a few of the episodes, he used this term with me. So I'm going to give him credit for it. But he says these films nowadays almost feel like they're mercenary jobs. Okay. And by that, I think he means, you know, nowadays the mentality is, okay, we're going to put a certain amount of money into this film. And then if we can get our budget back from, uh, from pre-sales, then we're going to walk away and it's deemed a success. Whereas I feel like back in the early 2000s, yes, the idea was, of course, to get the budget back. But then you also kind of wanted to get a little bit more on the back end. There was a little bit more effort. But I feel like when you're going into it, 
nowadays with the mentality and the understanding of, you know, hey, we're it, it's essentially going to a roulette table, putting 10 bucks down, and then getting your 10 bucks back. And so when you're going into it with that mentality and that mindset, you know, it's 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 a mercenary job. It's, you know, look, the, the orders are very clear. Get the job done. Deliver a product that is complete with a razor thin line of any kind of creativity, style, anything like that. It's just you're the director. Sure. Get the job done and in the can. Yeah, the the margins are super thin. It's it's basically you start out saying, here, we have Dolph Lundgren. We have a, a, a prison location that we can use. We've got three weeks. Let's just churn out the best thing that we can. And that's that's exactly what you get. Uh, and, you know, beyond that, just if we're looking at, at Jess Dolph in the movie, I, I mean, I, I got to believe that this is one of the one of the last films he did before he had his uh, hip replacement surgeries because he's just moving so badly in this movie. And, it, and it's, he's it's so just, thin, too. Oh, did you yeah, notice that, that he's too. very, very oh, yeah. thin? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the the artwork that's available, you know, he's, you know, extremely large and, you know, probably looking maybe maybe he looked that way back in the the late 80s, but you know, they've got him looking way way bigger than he is actually now or even was in 2017. And yeah, when you actually watch the movie, it's just he he's very thin and he's just he's not moving around very well. And it, it, I just think everything, but even if he was moving around great, they wouldn't have taken advantage of it. I mean, the fight scenes would have been just as poor and any action involving him would have been just as bad. So I'm not even sure it would have made much of a difference, to be honest. You're talking the uh, the, the cover art where it's Dolph's head on what I am 100% convinced is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's body from Fast Five, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, there exactly. you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's I mean, that's got to be where they took it from, because um, he he hasn't really been that that bulked up in in a very 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 long time. Well, if we just run through the film, I mean, we're gonna get through this as painlessly as painlessly as possible, Chris. I promise. Um, oh, no problem. But <laughs> if we just look at this, yeah, the like I said, the um, opening title sequence. Like I said, all we get is the cast, okay? No one else behind the scenes is listed. Interestingly, Dolph's buddy James Chalk gets a credit in the opening title sequence, despite playing a reporter who gets two whole scenes in the film. That's it. He shows up for two scenes, yet he gets his, uh, he gets his name in the opening titles. So, hey, at least I believed him in his role. That, that's, that's more than I can say for many of the people in this thing. Well, in the opening scenes of this film, they're of Dolph in a uh, in a restaurant bar. He's pretending to be drunk. He purposely gets himself arrested so that he can conveniently get thrown into the Mexican prison where the stash of money belonging to this drug lord is hidden. And so what the what the film promptly does, and conveniently, I should say as well, Chris, the film puts him in this maximum security prison that has maybe only, what would you say, 12 inmates? I guess, and yeah. They, yeah. they they also apparently lack a warden. 
Well, what's funny is that when when they send Dolph to the prison, they really kind of hype it up as, oh, you're going to the cage. You're going, it's, it's, oh my god, this is the worst place you could possibly be sent. And then it's like, he goes there, there's like, there's like no staff. There's really nobody around. No. It's, it seems like, it seemed like if, if you have to be thrown into a prison, that this would be kind of an ideal this would be one. This the one to go. Cause, yeah, there's really nothing, nothing preventing anything from anyone really from escaping or anyone from from trying to rip off fifty million dollars that's in a safe in the prison. Everything kind of goes uh, somewhat easy. Well, what what that the reason for that is is I think this production was so tightly confined, if you will, in terms of its budget, in terms of its shooting days, that they just simply did not have the resources to cast any other extras. And so I guess, I don't know if they thought that we were going to notice these things or if they even cared about it. But yeah, it's interesting. Once Dolph is thrown in the prison, we get one scene of him mixing it up amongst the prisoners. And then from there, he pretty much just gets to leave his cell. He teams up with, uh, with his team of hackers and thieves. He, he's able to get them in the prison so that they can start um, knocking down the door to, the, uh, to, to where the safe is okay but but at that point you almost forget that he's in a prison i mean and so it begs the question why set this in a prison if they're not going to do anything with that wouldn't it have just been more cost effective and um economical to make this maybe some just some nondescript warehouse or something i mean i think they just they had access to maybe an old prison and because they had that location that uh they were <laughs> that's why they were able to film and it just kind of comes down to that i mean it's all about hey what can we do where can we film cheap and you know where can we make use for these you know 17 or 18 days of filming and that's why we end up with this location which yeah like you said it's it's just it looks like it, there's maybe 12 inmates in this place so yeah once Dolph teams up with this team he quickly ditches his prison clothes. He puts on a guard uniform, starts strutting the halls of the prison. Um, absolutely no one is the wiser that apparently this this former prisoner, yeah. if you will, um, is, is yeah. now a guard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, none of it makes any sense at all. Like, there's, like... I don't. I don't even really understand why he needed to pose as a as a, a guard. Like, what's the reason for it? No, no. And, I mean... Well, and you and I were texting about this earlier today, but Dolph's team of thieves consists of three others. So we have um, the, his right hand, uh, his right hand gal, if you, if, if you will, is um, uh, Jocelyn Orsorio reuniting from safe. Boy, oh boy. Oh, I can boy. imagine that, yeah. uh, that Dolph and Jocelyn sure had some stories about those days. Oh, um, like, do you think Dolph even remembered her from, from <laughs> working on where her was safe? I don't think so. I, I guess in this film they're dating each other, yet they never romantically embrace in any kind of way. They, they seem more like buddies, if you will, but apparently they're an item. There's another member to the team, this big hulking guy who's cleverly named Tank, who we know mm. from the get-go is bad. So his turn at the end of the movie, spoiler, but his turn at the end isn't surprising in the least, which also begs the question, okay, if Dolph was enlisted by the CIA to break into this uh, to break into this prison and get this safe, couldn't Dolph or the CIA or someone done more um, 
thorough background checks with who he's going to be teaming up with. Hey, Cor- Corbin Burnson dropped the ball. There's there's really no other way to, yes. to describe it. You know, that's that was his job was to make sure that Dolph had only the best operatives working with him. Um, so I, I blame that squarely on Corbin Burnson. Yeah, Corbin Burnson, who filmed all of his scenes, I'd say, over the course of three hours from a hotel room. It appears yeah. like, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he does get <laughs> shot. He does get shot. So that you know, he did have to go outside for that because you know he does get uh, dispatched. You know, again, sorry for the spoilers. Well, and I mean, it's not a big surprise, but Dolph, his character, he's a former Marine. It's also questionable if he's a member of the DEA or not. I don't know. But yeah, he's hired by the CA, like we said, to get this cash. Um, Louis Mandalore also shows up. Louis Mandalore, who is a uh, yeah. he's a regular in these type of films. He shows up as a conservative senator who um, wants to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. Gee, I wonder who this is paralleling. I, I don't know. Who is I, this? You know, yeah, uh, <laughs> Louis Mandalore, who is normally very good. I've, I've enjoyed a lot of his movies. He's always usually, even if the movie's bad, is a solid presence. But he he really has nothing to offer in this one. I don't know. I guess he's trying to do a Texas accent, I guess. Um, but it, it doesn't come off very well. Um, but, I, but I definitely did enjoy, you know, when he's going to get his comeuppance and, and he, he proclaims, I'm a conservative Republican, as, as if oh, he's know, we trying. had it. Oh, he's trying. Yeah, he's yes. he's trying. He's, he's doing the most that he can with what he's got. But I just, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Who, I, I don't know who, whoever, when they're facing their their near certain death, you know, proclaims, you know, what what side of the political fence they're on. I don't think has anyone ever done that before. They uh, they believe they're about to be murdered. But I, I don't know. It's uh, it's yeah. He, he's a, a good actor who's unfortunately stuck in a really bad movie. Well, and there, I mean, we already talked about this as well, but I don't want to let this part go either. There are just some long, drawn-out scenes of dialogue. And there is one scene in particular that was just absolutely nails on a chalkboard grading for me. Okay. It's basically, um, the, 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 the drug Lord, the main, the main villain in the film, the drug Lord, he gets tipped off that his, um, stash is being robbed from the prison. Okay. We get tons of scenes of him where he's on the phone or where he's talking to his wife, but there's one unintentionally hilarious scene. So what this, what this film is doing basically is it's trying to be like heat if you will, or it's trying to be something bigger than it is because what it's doing is it's given us the scene where our main, our main bad guy, if you will, is onto the fact that one of the members of his team is not who he says he is. And so we get the scene where he's snuffing out this, uh, this, this person. So this is a member on his security detail basically. And so I guess this person works for the CIA. And so this cartel leader, he's tipped off to this. So, what we get is just a long scene yes. where he's um, basically trying to intimidate him and telling him that he he knows who he really is and that he needs to accept his death like a man and do it with dignity. But what is absolutely hilarious about the scene is the actor, and I didn't get his name because I didn't really feel the need to, um, but, the, but the actor who is playing this, uh, this security agent or whatever – he doesn't look scared or intimidated in the least. He's just listening. And it almost feels like they just picked this guy up off the street and he doesn't even know that he's in a movie. Yeah. 
Well, well, both of these actors, I, I kind of recognize from trailers of movies done by this same director, this R. Ellis Frazier. So I mean, both of them I know have, are kind of like in his stable of, of actors, but yeah, you've got the, the head drug, drug lord, you know, the Capitan who is, you know, basically trying to, uh, determine whether, or he actually knows that this, and it's the, it's the guy that he like just hired. There's like one scene previous where they show where they just hire him to become part of his security detail. And then it's like the next scene is where we find out, Oh, he's a rat. It's like, how much damage could he have done? They like, they like pretty much just hired him. I don't even know what really he would have been able to do, but whatever. But yeah, it's just such a bad scene. And yeah, it's like the movie is trying to have this profound moment and it's, you know, really like, Oh, we're going to show you some real acting in this, in this, this scene right here. This is, this is going to knock your socks off. And it just goes on forever. It's almost like, it's almost like it was done because maybe they only had about 85 minutes worth of a movie. And so they needed one extra minute. So it was just, just, just ramble, just go on, just keep saying whatever comes to your head and, uh, and, and we'll leave it in there because it's, it, it, it's it's oh it's so bad the, the the cardinal sin i will say the cardinal sin with this particular scene is the fact that we never see this character get killed basically i mean you would think in a typical scene like this okay you have the, yeah. the drug lord saying hey i'm on to you okay accept your death like a man bang okay and then it cuts to the next scene we don't see that and then we find out off screen through a line of dialogue that that he was killed that this uh, that this CIA turncoat or whatever was killed, and so it's kind of like what? Yeah, you're going to have a five minute long scene where he's yeah. talking to this guy about his yeah. upbringing in the Navy and everything, saying I I know who you are, and then we're not going to get any of that. No, it's of many numerous issues as to why this is a bad movie, and it, I, I don't understand why a scene like that is even in this movie. I, I understand having scenes where a turncoat is exposed and okay, we're going to now we're going to kill him or we're going to torture him. And that's, you know, okay. I I get all that, but my God, it's, it's just so boring. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of what you can sum the whole movie up is, is just boring. Whenever there is action, it's done boring. The dialogue is boring. There's just never a moment in this movie where you kind of snap to attention and think, Oh, okay. Now it's going to get good. it, It never comes about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, th- this film, everything about it almost feels like complete amateur hour. I mean, Dolph appears extremely bored and it being only 84 minutes. I mean, it's this film is barely 84 minutes. Like you said, yeah, it's completely dull. I will say I, I haven't had the uh, opportunity to speak with R. Ellis Frazier. That was the director on this one. I haven't had a chance to speak with him yet for the podcast. But I will say that there are some really interesting camera shots in this film, namely with the... Uh, with the with the with the drug lord character there are some scenes that he employs some really interesting camera work where like the sunset is creating silhouettes of the characters as they're engaged in these uh inane conversations you know what i mean and so i I will give him some credit there is that some of those shots do look pretty despite the fact that there's nothing happening he just does know a pretty shot I, I mean, I'll say this is, you know, the guy has been making a lot of movies over the last 10 to 15 years. So, I mean, he knows this business and, and I've actually 
seen interviews with him on YouTube before where it explains a lot about the business of making these sort of movies, and, and that's kind of interesting. And I'm sure he'd love to have a bigger budgets and more time to film, and maybe that would improve. Oh, not even maybe it would improve these movies, but I just think the the end product here it's it's despite a few maybe decent outside shots is is just it's just such a dull dull. Well, if we just go to the end of it real quick, um, the prisoners do escape. At the end of this film, again, no warden ever appears present in this film. So it's a it's a prison that uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. that is <laughs> that, that is completely free for all. Yeah. Um, one group of prisoners uh, commandeers a prison bus where they meet up with uh, uh, Mandalore's crooked senator character. They exact justice on him. Spoiler, but I guess he's in cahoots with the drug lord. Not a huge surprise there. The, the Capitan, excuse yeah. me. There is another scene that just I was I don't know about you, but I was I was dying with laughter at. So there are a group of prisoners who are able to sneak into um, the Capitan's home and set him straight. Yet no attention or details are given to how they were able to enter his house undetected, especially by his wife. And it is it's one of those scenes that just looks so ugly and amateurish. So we have the Capitan. He's. He's up in his office or whatever, you know, um, on his phone. And then suddenly a group of prisoners just suddenly walk into his room. And it's like, what? What, what is this? Well, I think what I, what I love about that group of prisoners that, uh, that essentially helped Dolph at the end of the movie is he makes a deal with them to, to let them go, which they willingly do. And so they, they're, there are these these uh, killers that the the Capitan sends, they're, they're only described as quote-unquote international assassins, as, oh, one of these after you. It, this is, there's no way our national assassins are after you. So they, they have this big buildup. These international assassins come to the prison, and then it's like three seconds later, they're just shot by all these, these inmates that are now working with Dolph. I mean, it's just, everything is just so anticlimactic. I, just, I don't understand it at all. Well, I mean, and, and the film the film does end, okay, so we just look at the ending real quick. The film ends where Dolph and his remaining two members of the team that he, uh, that he assembled, they decide not to leave with any money, and they just decide, I guess, to go off to their next assignment, where exactly their next assignment is. I have no idea what exactly Dolph's job was and why he was contracted by the CIA is again never even mentioned. I guess the film doesn't want to go into any details on that. Um, what's also interesting, I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but if he's supposed to be a crack thief, this is never shown either. Okay, I just think it's yeah. interesting they chose this former marine, if you will, to 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 you know orchestrate this heist. Yet it's never given any detail on why he's the guy who can do this. What's really what's really sad about this, okay, is yeah, at its surface, okay. We have a heist movie that takes place in a prison. And all, I don't know if you picked up on this, but all Dolph does in this film is he just walks the corridors of the prison. He will radio back to his girlfriend to make sure that they're on schedule. And that is about it. I mean, that is for the 80 minutes of the movie. That is what we get. Yeah, that that's, that, that is the movie, basically. I mean, you know, we do get, we do get a, a, a great, 
quote unquote great fight scene with Tank, <laughs> where uh, finally Dolph and Tank go at it. I'll tell you, this is one. This is a piece of advice to people. If you're ever watching one of these movies and they're just you know they're, you're watching them on Netflix or you're watching them on Prime or whatever, and you know you're watching one of these action movies and they're just kind of dull. If you want to make them a little more entertaining. Put on the subtitles because sometimes you'll you'll catch dialogue that you probably wouldn't have been paying attention to, and sometimes things will pop up at you if, if you can see the dialogue. And there's this one bit where he's fighting this guy Tank, you know, big giant dude, and and you know Dolph throws a few punches at him, and Tank just has this line, and all he just says is, "Where'd you learn to fight the Peace Corps?" It's just that's, that's probably my favorite. My favorite moment in the movie is probably that line. So that would be my advice. Is if, if you do ever decide to watch Larceny, just put on the subtitles. So at least you can also you know, read the, uh, the drivel that's being spoken. Well, I, I don't know if you, uh, if you did this or not either, but I was kind of interested to kind of go to the very end of this film. Okay. Cause like I said, it's barely 84, 85 minutes. Okay. So, um, I, I wanted to see if it did hit that 90 minute mark. The closing credits to this film, Chris, are barely three minutes. And I think that, that right there just makes it abundantly clear that this thing was, was, was shot so cheaply that they, again, like I said earlier, they didn't have much crew working on this film. Okay. They, they really didn't. And I think that's very evident just by the abnormally short, uh, uh, runtime of the credits even. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, it's kind of odd that they would have the credits be that short because that's one of the tricks to, uh, to low budget filmmaking is, you know, if you have a movie that's a little short and a little bit under the, uh, the, the 90 minutes, you, you go to the, the predator style credits of actually showing the people, you show the actors with their, uh, with their, their names and their character names. And that's a, you know, a way that you can kind of juice an extra 30 seconds, 45 seconds out of it is if you, you go with the old predator credits. So, uh, the fact that they couldn't even spend the money to do that, to just pad it out a little bit. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, that's a, that's a fake on you know low budget filmmaking 101 well okay before we before we get to riot okay chris uh, uh thank you again for for sitting through this film this is number two for you right was this your second time sitting through this one this was my second time might as well have been my first time because i remembered absolutely nothing from the first time that i'd seen it so technically yeah it was the second time so bless you for for letting me uh visit this one once again Hey, no problem. No problem. It's, it's, it's what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let, let's go to a, uh, let, let's go to the better one. Okay. So we're going to look at the Dolph in prison double feature that we did. Um, let, let's go to the other one. Okay. So this one is riot. Okay. In riot. Okay. And again, I have two, I have two synopses that I'll be reading because I, I have one that I have the one that I wrote. And then, uh, the one that is on IMDB is equally as funny as the one for larceny. So we're going to, I'm going to read them both. In Riot, actor, producer, and music superstar Matthew Reese takes the lead as Jack Stone, a former cop who seeks revenge on the Russian mob boss who had his wife killed by purposely landing himself in the same prison that the gangster controls. Yet getting revenge won't be easy, and Stone will need all the help he can get, including an undercover FBI agent played by Dolph Lundgren who's already in the inside, and who also has his own agenda. 
Jack Stone. First a cop, then a cop killer. How long do you think you'll last in a place like this? You see, this place has a way of taking care of problems all on its own. Gentlemen, my name is Simeon. If you don't know who Jack Stone is, you better keep it that way. You and I, we are at war. When a king leaves his throne, gives his enemies an opportunity to claim it. Before we before we go further, here is the uh, synopsis that is on IMDb. Cop Jack Stone robs a Russian mob bank to end up in the same prison as the mob boss who killed Jack's wife. An inmate helps him, as does a reporter. Lots of fights. That is the that's the end sentence. Lots of fights. Um, so. Uh, Chris, I'll go. I'll go to your initial reactions here on this one. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on Riot Man? Uh, you know, I don't think I would not really call this a bad movie. It's of these sort of movies where you know we're, we're only getting Dolph kind of kind of sold to us as the lead, but then he's really not, and he's just kind of a side character. I think this is kind of on the higher end. It's definitely a movie that looks a lot better if you watch it say after larceny uh it, it definitely improves at that point because i think everything about this production is is much more cinematic compared to that movie so it's it's kind of dopey it's it's not great but it's watchable it's it's halfway decent i think there's some decent fight choreography despite the fact that i don't think we'll maybe ever see this matthew reese headlining an action movie again He's just kind of there. He's okay. Well, I mean, th- th- this film is, I mean, it's essentially a great big vanity project for Matthew Reese. Okay. He's the lead star. Okay. He's, he's the main character. He plays uh, this, this, this cop who gets holed up in prison named Jack Stone. Um, he also serves as uh, as a lead producer. Um, he, <laughs> he also provides the vocals at the end of the movie for the closing credits song. Which is interesting. I do. I don't know if you if you did or not, but I did kind of have to laugh how his production logo is shown at the very beginning of the movie. Did you notice this? I didn't notice it. I probably zipped through that. I I, I was only just impressed that it has the whole Universal logo ahead of it. But uh, aside from that, yeah. I didn't pay attention to the to the production. Apparently, they thought they had a winner with this one. Wasn't that wild? Yeah. Um, interestingly, yeah, this was acquired by Universal of all companies for a digital DVD and Blu-ray release. They apparently saw some value in this and, uh, 
they picked this one up and distributed it. That one, I remember when I saw that, that threw me for a complete loop. That had to make the director of this one, John Lyde, pretty pretty psyched and pretty happy, though, right? Oh, I bet. I mean, anytime you're you make one of these movies, and then you can get one of the one of the big big five or I guess big six studios to to acquire it, and then you got their their logo right in front of it. I mean, it's you know the the same one that appears before the Fast and Furious movies and the Jurassic Park movies and and all that good stuff. That's got to be a nice little ego boost. Well, this was, yeah, I mean, this was, if we just look at the the people behind the scenes on this one, um, this was directed by John Lyde and written by an individual by the name of uh, Spanky Dustin Ward. What's almost fascinating about these two individuals is how both the director and the writer have extensive work in the worlds of family Christmas films that were that are you know put out by Hallmark or whatever um lied in particular okay. the director of this one yeah he's done quite a few uh, christian and religious films so you watch this particular film okay riot and there's just something so wacky about seeing this violent prison revenge thriller that is written and directed by two dudes who normally do such wholesome fare it's almost as if they uh they used this film as their attempt to kind of let loose you know what i mean like it, it's maybe it, this this was yeah. their 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 rumspringa if you will and then they went back to doing their yeah. usual stuff but they had that one movie where they were like hey let's just get crazy for once yeah and, and i think they do i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of you know funky stuff in this movie you've got you know uh vomiting blood uh you know you've got the the great uh, chuck liddell doing a doing a russian accent there's all kinds of zany things in this movie Oh, man. Yeah, well, I, I have quite a few things to say about Chuck Liddell. Um, b- before we get to <laughs> Chuck Liddell, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that dude should be acting. Why do they keep casting him in movies? No. I, I don't uh, you know. know. I mean, he, he had he had a name. I mean, he, uh, these guys who were big in UFC in, like, the 2000s, they, they had, you know, between him and, and Couture and Rampage Jackson – you know, it's like they have a name that's familiar to the kind of people who watch these movies. And so it's, it's kind of like whether they're, whether they can actually act or not, they were, they were going to be shoved into these movies. And, and yeah, Chuck Liddell's probably of, of the, the fighters that I've seen who have made at least a few movies. I mean, he's probably the worst in, in terms of acting. It's, you know, no, I don't want to. I mean, I, w- I don't know if I would say it directly to his face, but I will say it here in the c- safety of my own home that uh, he he's the worst of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, kind of like what we said earlier, Chuck Liddell, he's a commodity. Okay, you're you're not yeah. getting him for his acting talents. You're really not even getting him for his his looks, if you will. You're getting him for his name. Okay, and that name is apparently unlocking doors to get the movie made. I mean, let's uh, just. I mean, that, that's it. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Matthew Reese. And you're you're putting this movie together, and you're you're trying to segue a, a career into headlining action films. You're going to need some recognizable names with you, and so if you can get Dolph, and then you can get Chuck Liddell. Well, there's two recognizable names that you can throw up there, and you can Trojan horse yourself as, in, as the star of the movie. Well, and that's exactly what uh, John Lyde said when I spoke with him on a uh, on a previous episode. Was yeah. Chuck Liddell and Dolph, those two names, those those two names, their presence in this film got the movie made. And not only did they get the movie made, but they got the budget back. 
Okay, and they were able to yep. uh, uh, provide provide Mister Lied with a nice little uh, uh, ch- check in his pocket. We can say, but y- you know, if we if we look at this particular film, I mean, this one. Whereas the last one was a fairly basic uh, conceit, if you will, this one I would argue is almost uh, even more uh, simplistic in a way. I mean, so we have Jack Stone. This is the Matthew Reese character. It's very, very simplistic. Okay, he's a former cop. He purposely gets himself locked up in a prison by robbing a bank. His entire goal was to get into this exact prison where Balaam, this is the character that's played by Chuck Liddell, where Balaam, this is the Russian mob boss who had Stone's wife executed. Okay. Balaam is a prisoner in this place, yet what's interesting is he gets his own luxurious suite and he has his own private army. He never has to wear prison garb, which I thought was pretty interesting. But, but yeah, that's pretty much it. We have Matt Reese. He wants to get into the prison so that he can exact revenge on uh, on Balaam. What's what's another interesting fact about this one? I mean, we've seen this premise before, but interestingly, we saw this uh, this exact premise done by another movie called Vendetta, where Dean Kane is the Matthew Reese character, and the WWE's Big Show is the Chuck Liddell character. So, anyone who likes Riot, you can check out Vendetta, and you're going to get the exact same movie. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. I I do I would say I think Riot is is better than Vendetta, but yeah, it's it's the exact same story, you know, almost almost scene for scene. Um, but but I I think Riot is is the better of those two. Uh, there's just much much better fight scenes. I I I, I do got to give this movie credit. I, I I think they they did try to choreograph some decent melees and decent fight scenes, and 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 they're not bad. They're 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 definitely watchable fight scenes. Oh, that was one of my notes as well is, yeah, I think the fight scenes in this film are all surprisingly well choreographed, especially for a movie of this nature. Whereas I mean, if you look at uh, Larceny, the one that we just discussed Larceny, I mean, those fight scenes, you can almost see the characters stepping back, waiting to get to take their hits. If you will. I mean, they're so lazily choreographed this one. I don't know what the, uh, the, the, time and rehearsing these fight scenes were but i mean man they really get down and get dirty in this film the stunt performers i mean they really appear to take these hits in the film that all appear pretty tough and what's really cool about this is i clocked it there's at least one riot sequence in this film every 15 minutes so clearly the title of the film is well deserved i think yeah there this is not a case of false advertising in terms of the title. I mean, there, this, there are riots, prison riots in this movie. And basically the last 20 minutes is just one massive prison riot. So it's, it's, even though maybe they're fibbing a little by having, you know, Dolph front and center on the poster, um, they're not lying by calling this movie riot. It's, it's an app title and, uh, nobody can say that there's no rioting in this film. What they are lying about is, again, if you look at the cover, okay, for the DVD or the Blu-ray of this film, it is Dolph Lundgren square and center with Chuck Liddell in the background. No, that is not the case at all. Um, In reality, um, Dolph plays a supporting character. Um, His character's name is William, who is supposedly this dim-witted inmate 
though he's immediately helping out Jack Stone in a few prison brawls. Um, spoiler, it's later revealed that uh, he's actually an undercover FBI agent who infiltrated the prison to expose just how corrupt the place was. Um, one thing when I spoke with uh, uh, John Lai, the director of this one, he had basically said that they had Dolph lined up to play a, a, another character. I'm assuming, I think it might have been the Chuck Liddell character, but Dolph looked at this and he said, nah, I'd like to do something a little bit different. So the first half of the film, we have Dolph. He's just kind of playing a, uh, a simpleton, if you will, who just pushes around a mop. But then by the yeah. third act, we, we get to see that that's not really the case. He's actually a badass in hiding. Yeah. And, and I think he's good here. Uh, he's, it, it's a fun performance from him. He, he gets to play kind of the, two different aspects of the character. He's got the, the first half, like you mentioned, where he's just not a very bright guy that everyone kind of takes for granted. And he's just kind of mopping up everywhere. And, you know, he sort of, he kind of inserts himself uh, here and there into some of the fight scenes to help out stone. Um, but you know, it's all just kind of makes it look like it's an accident and he just doesn't really know what's going on. And so I think he's good with those parts of the character. And I think he's good when it's revealed that he's an undercover FBI agent. And you know, for, so again, of these movies where, you know, he's kind of sold as the lead, but isn't really the lead. He, he's he's fine in this. I mean, I, I had a, a decent time watching him in this movie, and it's 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 you know certainly a lot better than than the usual kind of bait and switch movies that he sometimes has appeared in in, in recent years. Well, what's funny about it, I don't know, there's a couple things in this film that uh, made me laugh. I can't tell if they were unintentional or not, but um, once it's revealed to Jack Stone, once Jack Stone realizes who the William character really is, um, I did find it kind of funny how, okay, so, so Dolph is, he's an undercover FBI agent, okay, and I just found it kind of funny that he is perfectly fine with what Stone's doing. I mean, he gives him this long leash and it's really funny. He's almost kind of cheering on Stone to essentially commit murder. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, "Yeah, I know, I know who you are. And yeah, you go get them. You know, (laughs) it's it's like, what? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, but I think, I mean, I think he does kind of, I think there was, there is a scene where he kind of mentions how, you know, he's been undercover there for several months and he's been waiting for somebody to kind of kind of light the fire under this prison that it'll really kind of blow the roof off the place. And that's that's what you are, Stone. You're that you're that guy that's going to help me break this thing wide open. And so, you know, that's that's basically the purpose that Stone serves. And, you know, his quote unquote vendetta is is in in terms of uh, going after Chuck Liddell. That's what's gonna finally lead to the the massive riot that's gonna bring the whole prison structure down, you know, with the help of the uh, the reporter who uh you know we see every now and again in the film who's also kind of working to expose the corruption in the prison. So it all kind of comes to a head. And it it, it all kind of makes sense to me. It's it's not again, it's to compare it to larceny, it, there's really no time in riot where I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening. Everything kind of goes from A to B to C and, and, and makes some sense. Well, I mean, yes, we have the reporter who's kind of helping, uh, helping things out. There's also another undercover FBI agent 
was working in the uh, the women's side of the prison. So inter intercut with the scenes with Matthew Reese mixing it up with the uh, the prisoners. There's also apparently a a women's prison attached, and so we get random scenes of uh, the women's side of the prison. Mainly a prisoner um, who goes by the name of Elena. She's played by uh, Danielle C. Ryan. Um, yeah, like you said, she's undercover with the FBI. She's also working with uh, Dolph's William character to kind of expose the corruption that we see in here. Um, uh, fun fact about her. I actually texted you this. Um, one of this gal's first acting gigs was as thing one in the cat in the hat movie with uh, Mike Myers. So quite the diverse role there. Yeah. I, who, who would have thunk it? Huh? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> from thing one to agent childs. What, what a stretch. Um, but I thought she was pretty good in, in the movie. I thought she did perfectly fine as the uh undercover in the in the woman's prison and uh you know like i i had mentioned earlier you know she's the character that gets to vomit blood and uh you know she does a pretty good in fact it almost felt like in the middle of this movie there was like i feel like there was like a 15 minute stretch where the movie's about her and you're not even really seeing stone like stone kind of disappears and it basically just becomes the agent child's movie um so again i guess it's it's just padding the runtime, making sure they get at least close to that 90 minutes, um, because it, it, it really kind of felt to me like it was her movie for a little while. Well, the Stone character, Matt Reese, he... How many lines of dialogue would you say he gets in this entire film? Maybe eight? Nine? I... Yeah, and- it's- it's probably more than that, but yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very minimalistic dialogue from the, the great Matthew Reese. The the great Matthew Reese, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dolph gets. I mean, you already mentioned it, but this was another note that I wrote down that really just I, I was I was dying with laughter. So, at the end of the movie, okay, <clears throat> after the after the big riot has uh, has ceased and and everything like that, um, Dolph does get a funny line at the end of the film where, um, yeah, he tells Jack Stone that Balaam also killed his partner years prior and that Dolph could never figure out a way to get to Balaam. And then he says, these are his, this is his exact line in the film. He says, no one's ever had the balls to do what you did. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, William, you're in the FBI and clearly you didn't either. So, (laughs) yeah, well, that's true. That is very true. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Dolph could have uh, could have handled business a lot sooner, but I guess he just he was so dedicated to his undercover work as uh, as, as as William that uh, he, he just he was not going to crack. He was going to keep mopping those floors for as long as it took. And it, it wasn't until Stone came in that he he finally had his uh, his key to bringing down the, the, the corruption in the prison. Well, I'm I'm glad you know what, hey Chris, I'm I'm glad that you liked one more than the other, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think was this your first time seeing Riot as well? No, no, I I had seen this when it initially okay. came out, and you know it's like I I kind of had the same reaction. I I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, I didn't think it was great. It was just it was mildly entertaining. It it's I I think there's there are some sequences that are really good. I I really like. When uh when Stone is in the uh, prison guard outfits, 
the outfits that you know, they, they kind of look like they took them from the the guards um, in escape plan. It's kind of like the same kind of outfit. But uh, when he's in one of those outfits during the riot and he's getting into all kinds of fights, I mean, I think that's a pretty cool sequence. And I, I, there's there are some good moments in this movie. I mean, there's some stuff that you kind of roll your eyes to and and you, you kind of wonder, oh, man, like the, the all the flashbacks to the, the bank heist that lands stone in prison, you know, there's some pretty bad muzzle flash work during those scenes that kind of takes me out of it. But for the most part, it's, it's an entertaining enough movie. It's, it's meat and potatoes. You know what you're going to get. And it, it does deliver on that front. It's definitely not great. It's not one that I'd probably be looking to watch as much as some of the, 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 the better Dolph movies that I've seen, but it's, it's perfectly fine low budget prison action entertainment. So, okay. I mean, thank you again. Um, if we look at larceny though, going back to that one real quick, it, it sounds like, okay, with obviously riot um, it's, I like what you said about how it's meat and potatoes, very simplistic. If we look at larceny though, okay. Again, the revisiting the whole um, Dolph in a, uh, in a prison environment, if you will, why does larceny not get a recommend from you uh, as uh, as a film? Well, I'll tell you. I, I, let me let me do this. I, I'm going to compare some a really specific moment that happens in both Riot and Larceny, and that will kind of explain why I dislike Larceny so much. So, in each of these movies, there is a scene where Dolph's character is on a higher level of the prison and tosses another character over. So. In Larceny, he tosses the character over. The guy just falls. You barely see it. It's just, he falls. You hear kind of a thud. In Riot, he tosses the guy over. And there's a really cool bounce off of one of the tables uh, on the on the lower level. And there's like some actual thought put into those you know, three seconds of film. And, and that's why I think Riot is so much better. And that's why I think Larceny is so much worse. Is With Larceny... It just feels like there's no thought that was put into any of the scenes that it's all just being done to, to just get to the next scene, get to the next scene. Let's crank this out. Let's get it over with. Let's film a couple guys shooting machine guns. Let's film a couple guys in a, in a prison cell and let's just move on and let's just go home. And with riot, it, it just feels like there is an effort to make an entertaining movie. And even if it doesn't succeed a hundred percent, it succeeds enough to be a, a vastly superior movie to something like Larceny. Well, hopefully this is the last time we see uh, Mr. Lundgren uh, put on prison attire and, uh, and step into a prison set for a film. But uh, Chris, again, kind of like what I said with, uh, uh, when we discussed the Serafini trifecta, I do appreciate you sitting down to uh, uh, watch two films that may have not been super high on your list, but um, the fact that you did it, uh, I really appreciate Once again, you've jumped a grenade for me. So I, I thank you wholeheartedly. Hey, I, I appreciate you having me on, you know, even, even when the movies are bad, it's still, it's still a joy to talk to them, uh, to talk to you about them. So it, it, it kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of pain for a whole lot of pleasure of, of getting to, to relive the excitement of these movies over again. 
Well, and 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 again, I mean, shoot, we have we have a few more that that are ripe for some combo episodes. We have Forgotten, we have Hard Night Falling. Um, what, what else is there? Acceleration, the Tracker. Oh, I mean, yeah. we we we've yeah. established it. I mean, hey, I mean, it's, it's yeah, the, uh, the the combo. It's it's uh, it's the wave of the future. The the trifecta <laughs> and the combo. Well, Chris, till next time, this has been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything that you want to uh, give a shout out to? Anything that you want to plug? I know that you don't have a, uh, a respective podcast per se, but uh, uh, here's your moment. Okay. You've, you've suffered through these for me. Um, what, uh, what, what's going on, man? Oh, I, you know, I don't really have anything, anything to plug. I, I do appear every now and again on a, on a podcast. It's a, uh, the framework podcast. Um, so I, I appear on there every now and again. I, uh, I talk a lot about Sopranos. We do a, a lot of episodes about different seasons of the Sopranos and I've been on there for some other reasons. So I think, you know, anyone just look up framework on uh, where you listen to your, your podcasts and you'll be able to find that. So that that's about all I really have to plug. All right. Well, thank you. Well, thank you um, to everyone out there who is listening. Please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews, and we'll see you all next time on I Must Break, this podcast. And though the stem is carefully planned For me to meet you hand in hand Time has come, the stage is set What's about to happen you will never forget You can't hide, the devil's gonna take you It's my town.